Welcome to another edition of Mind of a Madman, brought to you from STS Studios. I want to thank everybody for joining us again this week. Um, this week, after Paranormal News, we're going to look at uh, more Jalen's disease. If you haven't heard of it, I mean, I'm sure you've at least seen it on TV. You might not know what it's called, but uh, it's definitely a fascinating, uh, definitely a fascinating, um, uh, I guess, syndrome, you'll, you'll call it for now, that could potentially be seated in alien roots. We don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but first, as always, there's paranormal news. Um, this week, you get a couple stories. Uh, it's not a lot going on in paranormal world this week. Apparently, it's a slow one, but let's see what we got here. Um, first story is entitled, Disney Enthusiast Shares Creepy Paranormal Experience She Had on Space Mountain. All right, so the article says, through the Disney theme parks, or though the Disney theme parks are mostly thought of as kid-friendly, happy place where dreams come true, there can be a darker side to them, too at least, according to some fans. And given the Disneyland, that Disneyland is nearly 70 years old, it's not surprising that it would have some spooky history. Apparently, it also includes the supernatural. One fan took to TikTok to share her story of witnessing paranormal activity while riding Space Mountain. In fact, she believes that she rode the roller coaster with a ghost. She admitted that... Oh, let me start over here, sorry. She admitted that She's heard stories of similar things happening on the ride, but it sounds like experiencing it for herself was something else entirely. She rode by herself, so the seat next to her was empty, or was it? The second we pulled into the tunnel, I get the shivers down my spine, and I feel like there's a lady sitting next to me, she said, adding that she started freaking out and even pulling her hat over her eyes so she wouldn't have to see the ghost woman. At the end, she looked at the photo that was snapped on the ride, only to discover that hers was the only one missing from the only to discover that hers was the only one missing from the screens. She's not even the only one who's experienced this. According to comments, this is pretty common. The ghost's name is apparently Disco Debbie, a cast member who was rumored to have died behind the ride building. Now we want to. Now we want to. Visit just to see if this experience is true for ourselves. So we hope we hope so we hope that Debbie is enjoying herself. So apparently, if you uh, ride, uh, what was this? Was it Space Mountain? Uh, yeah, Space Mountain. Apparently, if you ride Space Mountain by yourself, you you could uh, you could potentially be riding with uh, Disco Debbie. So. Uh, if you happen to be going to Disney soon and you're right by yourself and it happens, by all means, let us know. I'd love to share your story. Um, our next uh, article is something that I'd actually like to attend. Uh, unfortunately, I I have uh, my you know I have work and life, so I can't go. But uh, the Paranormal Bigfoot Festival is a, fe- a festival in northern North Carolina that will spook you into oblivion. Come one, come all to the greatest show on earth on April fifteenth, twenty twenty three. The highly anticipated cryptozoological and paranormal museum, unusual and widely celebrated Paranormal Bigfoot Festival, will take place in newly renovated Lakeland Cultural Arts Center. Hundreds of investigators, researchers, and enthusiasts will descend on the town. Uh, uh, will ta- will descend on the town that weekend for a wide range of activities to open your minds, taking place from 11 a.m. to 5:30 p.m. The event promises keynote speakers, authors, concessions, and vendors, including folks from the popular MetaZoo Cryptid National TCG trading card games, 
so it's it's this big festival that's all about you know Bigfoot. Um, it looks like there's, it looks like there's a lot of uh, a lot of speakers from all over the world lining up. Uh, scientists. Uh, I'm sure you're the guys from uh, the uh, BFRO will be there. You know, like uh, Matt Moneymaker and uh, Bobo, and I'm sure you'll. Know, you know, I'm sure all of them will be there as well. So, you know, if you happen to be in the North Carolina area, uh, what was that date again? To the article here, April fifteenth. I'm telling you, you definitely ought to stop by and check this out. I'm sure it's not going to be. You know, it's. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing time. You're going to be had. Maybe, you know, I can get things around. I can get on there next year, hopefully. But uh, let's go on to our next article. Next article is a supernova resurrected itself. A group of astronomers recently discovered that a far-off supernova isn't behaving at all like we expected. It's teaching us a lot about these massive explosions. Supernova 2018 IVC, as it's so excitingly called, seems to have resurrected itself almost three years after its initial explosion. After spotting the blast the day after it appeared in the sky, researchers originally decided to monitor the supernova in its aftermath for 200 days. When it proved to be both surprisingly dim and quickly evolving, they decided to keep tabs on the object for, for another 200 for on the object for around another 200 years. And what they I, I think they meant days, not years. Uh, and what they saw was very strange. After a while of fading away like a supernova should, Supernova 2018 IVC started getting brighter. Even though the explosion was now long over, it looked like the supernova was ramping up in energy again. Uh, the secret, it turns out, has to do with the supernova, has, do not have to do with the supernova itself though it's a star that was nearby before it exploded. Um, the star that blew up in the supernova 2018 IVC, known as a supernova progenitor, was part of a binary system where the two stars in the system were a very specific distance apart. Researchers know what happened when, know what happened when a star very close orbiting, when a star in a very close orbiting binary goes supernova. As a progenitor, as a progenitor star dies, the star in the system will siphon a whole bunch of material off of it to keep to keep for itself. That will keep the progenitor progenitor to all to all appearances pretty calm and steady right up until it fully blows its lid. On the other hand, at the prog Genator star is either all by itself or in a very distant binary. It will keep all of its mass and explode as usual. But in a medium distance binary, like Supernova 2018 IVC, you might get something weird. The explanation that researchers are proposing for supernova for the supernova rebrightening is that the other star in the binary was close enough to pull material off, but far enough that it didn't pull that material back onto itself. Instead, they proposed a star pulled material just far enough away from the pro progenitor to form a sort of shell made out of star stuff. Once the supernova went off, the explosion caused a huge spike of brightness and then started to dim as usual. But once the, the ejecta from the explosion hit that shell of what the astronomers call 
circumstellar medium, ejected, ejecta and medium collided to create another speck of brightness. So Supernova 2018 IBC didn't come back to life at all. It just took one last stop at the Supernova gas station. So that's kind of cool. Just basically, like a Reader's Digest version is, you know, usually when like a star, you know, supernovas, it just blows up. Or, you know, when it has a close binary, you know, that, you know, that binary will suck a lot of its, its mass off for itself. But in this case, its binary was just the right distance where it tried sucking excess material off of the star that was going supernova, but it couldn't. So it just kind of pulled it almost like, like a shell around it, not touching. And then after supernova, uh, after the explosion reached where the where that shell of extra material was, it, it was like a second explosion, I guess. So it just shows you, you know, how we, you know, we think we know so much, and you know, we, you know, when it comes to the cosmos, we don't know anything. We really, we're really, we're, I mean, even though we have all these amazing telescopes and probes and satellites and all this amazing equipment in space, it's giving us all these amazing pictures and images and videos and whatever. We're still in our infancy. We're we still know nothing about space. I mean, we know basically how things should work according to Einstein's uh, rules and theories. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, we don't know nothing. We're you know we're still in our infancy. So I'm sure as our equipment gets better and better, we're we're going to get more and more amazing. Uh, you know, foot. You know, a more understand fascinating understanding of this universe, which. It's an amazing design. Uh, you know, whether you believe that our universe was created by chaos, or if you believe there is some kind of divine creator, no matter what you believe, this universe is incredible. I mean, it's uh, it's breathtaking. Some of the things that you know happen and go down and stuff. So, let's move on to our next article. Well, this is our last one, and this is. Uh, NASA, just, NASA just discovered an asteroid on a collision course with Earth. There are many ways that end that many ways the end of the world could come about. A pandemic seems likely, especially after the last few years. There's that pesky supervolcano under Yellowstone that's overdue for an explosion. The looming specter of climate change, and of course, the Silicon Valley folks are always warning us about an AI revolution. But one last, but one threat that we know for a fact has spelled doom for life forms on this planet before is a giant rock falling from space, which is why many folks are focused on the problem of detecting and preventing another one before it happens. And guess what? We just found a big one. The asteroid named 2023 DW was discovered a few weeks ago by scientists who keep track of these things. It's estimated to be about 100 feet long and scheduled to reach its closest point to Earth in February of 2046. But don't get but don't get in your bunker for a bit. As asteroids go, this one's impact danger is only about 1 in 400. And even if it did strike the Earth, it would likely only cause devastation in the area of the impact rather than a global catastrophe like the one which went out the dinosaurs. Still, if it hit a city, it would be catastrophic and opposes other dangers like tidal waves, satellite destruction. So... Uh, we're good. So it's good we're also researching methods like the DART system to nudge potential destructive asteroids out of the way. In case you don't know what DART is, um, I forget what the acronym stands for. Basically, NASA went, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know they went to a, 
a uh, asteroid that they know has a very close flyby of Earth every so many years, and they shot a projectile into it. Not not to blow it up like an Armageddon or anything, but just to kind of you know in a movie. But basically, just to just to just bump it, just a little tiny bit, so that you know it alters its orbit, so it doesn't so it pushes it away from an Earth orbit. And you know it it altered its orbit by thirty minutes, which I'm not sure if that means thirty minutes every year. It's all for what that thirty minutes means, but you know when you're you know when you're speaking with asteroids, thirty minutes of an orbit, I guess, is is huge. It's huge, and it's, and you know so now it's no longer really a threat to Earth anymore. So, uh, yeah, that's what that's what DART stands for. Uh, you know, and they said that you know, this asteroid is about hundred feet across, which really is tiny. I mean, you know, I mean, it is. It seems big, but I mean, yeah, you figure you know, like ones that kill. One that, like, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure the one that hit uh, in Yucatan Peninsula was, like, you know, thousands of feet, if I'm not mistaken, like, over a mile. I could be wrong on that, but, I mean, it's still, it would still cause, cause a lot of damage. I mean, you know, as fast as it comes in, as fast as asteroids would be coming in from space, so. Uh, so, with that being said, let's let's get into our news article, or, uh, I'm sorry, our, our topic for the week, which is more Jalen's disease. Uh, before we start that, I just want to let everybody know um, a couple things coming up scheduling here. Uh, next week we'll have a show as normal, uh, and in the following week there won't be a show. So, you, so, you, so after this show there'll be, there'll be one more. Then there'll be a one week hiatus. Um, I'm going out of town, and I mean I could drag my laptop along, but the microphone's not that great. It's, just, it's going to be horrible quality, and I would I, I would rather just put a show off a week. Versus putting out a show with you know bad bad quality sound, but then when I come back, it's gonna uh, as long as everything goes goes according to plan, it's going to be a live show, and then every show after that will uh, will be recorded video, so you'll be able to you so you'll start getting uh, videos on YouTube as well for every single show after that. So it's not this coming up show, it's not this show or the next show. It's after the break of a week, then we'll come back, and then that show will be on YouTube, and after every show after that should be then too. So, uh, you know, definitely exciting times come up here. Uh, so that being said, let's get into uh, Mordellin's disease. Mordellin's disease is a skin condition characterized by multicolored filaments that lie under. The under are embedded or project from the skin. Although it's unknown exactly... When this disease began to first originally, when if oh my gosh, let me try that again. Although it's unknown exactly when this disease began, the first report of Mordellin's disease was in the U.S. in twenty or er, two thousand two. Individuals with Mordellin's may have crawling or stinging sensations. Some people suffering from the disease believe they have a parasite or insect infestation, but most medical professionals consider it purely delusional. A dis delusional disorder. Uh, well, multiple studies have been done to prove Morgellons is a mental disorder. They have proven inconclusive, and some studies have led to this being a psychological response to an infectious agent. There is a connection between Morgellons disease and spirochetal infection. In humans, cattle, and dogs. In all instances of Mordellans, the fibers found are not implanted textile fibers, but are composed of cellular proteins, carotene, 
and collagen. The result from an overproduction of these filaments in response to spiral shuttle infection. In 2009, there have been over 14,000 reported cases of Morgellons, and every year the number of cases is higher than the last. The main characteristic that medical professionals use to identify this disorder is spontaneously appearing alternative skin lesions containing these colored fibers. The fibers are filaments. These filaments are microscopic, usually looking like textile fibers. The fibers can be black, white, red, green, and blue. Some patients also experience stinging, biting, creeping, and crawling. Morgellons is not only found on the skin, but also found in rare instances in the joints, often being confused for Lyme's disease. So it makes you, if you know, you know so that makes you wonder how many cases of Lyme's disease actually is it Morgellons, or maybe they somehow you know, they are connected together somehow. The name Morgellons comes from the letter written in 1674 by Sir Thomas Brown. The letter describes a very similar skin disorder in French children he was treating. In the letter, he referred to this order as the Morgellons. Besides this letter in 1674, uh, only the only other accounts of Morgellons or very similar disorders have been reported between 1544 and 1884. So Morgellons isn't something new. It's either a disorder which comes and goes for periods of time, or perhaps it's being uh, it's been affecting for humans for hundreds of years, but we're, but modern medicine is just now fully recognizing it. Uh, you know, some diseases seem to seem to like to like you know be be present, and then they just go away, and they they fade away, and then a couple decades later they'll come back. Like uh, you like the bird flu, like your bird flu, you know, like you know it affects humans, and then it, and then, you know it goes away. Five, six, five, ten years later, it comes back now to making a big presence again, and then it just goes away. Um, I don't know if diseases become dormant or they just evolve themselves out, and then some, you know, of of being able to affect us, and eventually they evolve back. I'm not sure how, how what goes on, but it does seem like 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 Morgellons might be a disease that you know went dormant somehow, some way, and, and was you know lost lost with time, and then came back, but. From 1902 to 1938, cases describing parasitophobias or dermatological hydro or hypochon oh parasit parasitophobias or dermatological hypochondriac resulting in delusional interpretation of skin sensations, which sounds very much like Morgellons was reported. It is for, it is important to note though that at least six cases had known syphilis infections. Uh, uh, Emily Smith made a brief mention on Morgellons in 1946 and proposed the condition was a form of uh, myalysis caused by a larvae of hypoderma species, although she didn't prove any supporting, provide any supporting evidence. In 2001, biologist Mary Lateo reported her son had non-healing lesions who uh, complained that he had bugs under his skin. She removed the scab and upon magnification didn't see any arthropods or parasites, although she did see embedded blue and red filaments. 
upon research, she found the she found the Thomas Brown letter from 19, from 1674 where he described a very similar condition, referring to it as Morgellons, and used that name. She founded the Morgellons Research Foundation, or MRF. This is a website that uh, includes a database where people with this disorder can report their skin and symptomatic symptoms. Uh, Mary Leto sought help from Dr. Fred Heidrich at John Hopkins Pediatric, who stated she probably she should not use her son to explore the problem and that she could benefit from a psychiatric evaluation. Leto gathered a group of patient advocate, medical practitioners, physicians, and nurses into a volunteer board of directors. She also sought the support of Charles Holman and Cindy Casey Hoffman from Virginia Savley and NASA researcher and physician William Harvey. Due to the pressure this volunteer board of directors put onto the CDC in 2006, they formed a task to investigate Morgellons, declaring these people deserve more than to be blown off. In 2012, the CDC published their findings declaring that Morgellons was similar to more commonly recognized conditions such as delusional infestation. After the study was published, Mary, Le Mary Leto hid from the public eye and closed the website. To this day, most doctors ignore the physical symptoms claiming it is a mental condition. What is really going on here? The doctors don't understand what it is, what is going on, and since it's a very isolated condition with a small number of people diagnosed every year, that it is easier to declare mental illness and blaming the patient than the practitioner is confronted. Many doctors are forgetting that certain, in, certain infectious conditions can cause a psychological response, resulting in mental illness. The most common treatment for Morgellons is an antipsychotic drug and electroconvulsive therapy. Doctors are told to use deceptive dialogue and strategies to make antipsychotic drugs acceptable to patients. There are a few doctors who do not treat Morgellons as a mental illness. Among these physicians... They believe Morgellons is a tick-borne bacteria infection similar to Lyme's. Maybe this is why doctors are urged to struggle to shrug off, to shrug this off as a mental disorder. Many believe Lyme disease. Many believe Lyme's disease was created in a lab and escaped through ticks. What if scientists working for the U.S. government created Morgellons or found a dormant strand of the disease from the 1600s and were working with it in a lab? And much like Lyme's. This is this would happen with Lyme's disease, much like what happened with Lyme's that got out of the lab and is being spread by ticks. In case you didn't know, uh, it's not proven, but there's a lot of documentation that pretty much leads to. It. I mean, you know, the government's never going to come out and admit, hey, we did this. But on Plum Island, off the coast of New York, it's a small island, and uh, they have uh, well, actually, it's 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 either has been or, or it's being moved to the middle of the desert. You know, I think it's going to Arizona, but it was off the coast of New York, and they were working. There was like an animal research facility for the for the U.S. military, and uh, you know they they you know you know and they created you know you know this, you know you know they work with every part of animal health, including diseases. One of these diseases was pretty much what we now call Lyme's disease. 
and uh, there's they're 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 trying to see if it could be spread by ticks. Well, some of these ticks got on somebody's clothes and escaped the facilities, got into the public, and now we have Lyme disease amongst U.S. population. Government will never take blame for it, or you know, would, would ever admit it because they'd be admitting that you know they're responsible for you know untold deaths and injuries and and, and suffering and uh, so you know they're. So, you know, maybe maybe uh, what, what's going on with uh, Jonesy is and the reason it keeps being swept underneath the, ca- the, the uh, kept being swept underneath the rug is because maybe it is a government, you know, another government disease that escaped. Uh, with what we know so far, uh, Spiros, Spirochetes identified as Borrelia burgdorferi sensu stricto predominant, I know I screwed that up somehow, I'm sorry, is the agent that infects people with Morgellons. In recent years, a doxycycline regimen has proven to get rid of most instances of Morgellons. As far as we know, Morgellons is not transmittable, considering we have been dealing with Morgellons since at least 2001 in the United States, we should know a lot more about it. If doctors would stop telling patients it's all in their heads, they need to work together to fully understand what this disorder is. If it was being developed in a U.S. government lab, the government needs to stop covering it up and give doctors all the information they have so we can start effectively treating it and improve the quality of life for those suffering. Regardless what this disorder is or where it came from, the people affected by it are feeling real symptoms. Regardless if it was if it might be potentially a mental illness there are physical lesions on the body, fibers in their skins, and a very unpleasant crawling sensation under their skin. These people deserve to be treated with respect, have their physical ailments addressed, as well as their mental health. Doctors have taken the easy way out of this disease for way too long. And then one last sidebar on this. I had originally mentioned in uh, when we first came on air with this, I said that this was... Uh, there was a potential extraterrestrial link. One crazy uh, fact with this is that well over half of the people who have Morgellons disease report being abducted by aliens. So could this be, you know, alien testing and not not the U.S. government? You know, that's you know, there's so many theories about this thing. You know, you know there's a million things that it could be that it might be. Uh, if you've never seen more gentleman's disease, uh, you know, like what the fibers look like, go online, go online right now, Google it, and you'll be amazed that people are, are walking around the face of the earth right now with these fibers in their skin and these lesions and, and it's, and, and the others being told it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Go back home. There's nothing we can do for you now. And it's, and it is ridiculous. So, uh, with that being said, uh, let's move on to, um, our topic of the week. So last week, um, I asked you, um, what is one of the greatest like hoaxes or you know pranks, whatever you want to call it, in paranormal in paranormal history? You know things that have, you know, but you know, like I said, whether it be a prank or a, a, a you know things being staged, or whatever. Um, there's a number of things. Um, a lot of people mentioned the whole Roswell thing, the whole you know the you know, one day it's UFO, the next day it's, you know, it's a, it's a weather balloon. 
we're most of us are pretty sure that's 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 a cover story. Um, I people mentioned the whole um, the Patterson Gimlin Bigfoot video. However, but you know that, that that was the first video that everybody said was real, and then on, then you know years later, yeah, they said it was fake. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're tired of of the attention it was bringing them. I don't know. Looked pretty real to me, but you know, and I, you know, there's been a lot a lot of documentaries where you, where they didn't have the technology to fake that kind of costume back then. Um, the Loch Ness monster, the original video that was supposedly just a toy, you know, attached to the top of a boat, uh, 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 you know, an RC boat and floated across, whatever. Um, for me, uh, I don't know. For me, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's a lot uh, I guess it's a lot of, for me, it's a combination of things, but like for me, the, the, my biggest thing that I get upset with is like, like, is like, all right, uh, I don't know if it's so much of a hoax, but it's misleading. If you ever watched Todd Standing, uh, he's a Bigfoot researcher now. Yes, he does have incredible footage of what does look to be real primates that are not gorillas, they're more human like, which I, I think very well maybe Bigfoots. But some of his stories, some of his methods are very misleading. I mean, you know, he hears a tree, a tree crack. Oh, they're following us, or, or you know, he's, you know, you know, he sees, you know, a tree leaning over, and oh, that was that that was snapped on purpose. I think he's a very misleading per, per, person. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that the footage he has is fake. I think he very well may have captured real. I think he may have captured very well have captured real footage of Bigfoots. But at the same time, I think a lot of his stuff is misleading. Um, the reason I asked this, this question is because, it's, because right now I'm actually working on a... That's why I'm being very vague with my answer because I don't want to give away too much because I'm working on uh, an upcoming episode where we're, we're going to be talking about some, some some of the greatest hoaxes in paranormal history, you know, and I don't, you know, and that's all fresh in my mind. I don't, I don't want to give away, the, give away that episode, so I'm trying to be very vague here, but... Um, I got a lot of different answers. I mean, uh, people talking about different things that I didn't even know about. A lot of it was a lot of it was like local things that happened locally. Like, um, I had a listener in uh, Louisiana who wrote me about there was some kind of a swamp creature that that people you know were seeing tracks and and everything, and ended up being just a dude with you know with like you know. He made like a pair of like shoes that looked like flippers and was walking through the mud and stuff and was knocking trash cans over. Um, you know, I had another gentleman who emailed me from uh, uh, from like the mountains from, from like the mountains outside of uh, outside of uh, L.A. in California, up in the mountains, and supposedly you know there was a Bigfoot. You know, like people could hear you know like you know, people could hear it like you know, yipping and it was throwing rocks to everybody that was up there looking for it and stuff and. Ended up just being some guy out there messing with everybody. So, I mean, I understand people want to have a good time, but you know, people are spending are are dedicating their lives to, to to try to find you know things like Bigfoot and you know and and and, and uh, you know Loch Ness monster and what have you. All these cryptids. The last thing we need is people up there messing with them. I mean, you know, they're you know they're giving their time, you know, taking time away from their family, and you're up there messing with them. You know, and 
the whole paranormal field is not is so it's so hard or it's so hard to get anything taken serious and when you do that you're just making it worse another one that I one more thing that just comes to mind for me and I'm not saying that what he's I'm not saying he's he's a fraud but uh, Zach Baggins I don't know how you feel about Zach Baggins uh, but a lot of his his ghost hunts. A lot of the equipment he uses is very questionable. It's very theatric. It's very, you know, dramatized. And I think a lot, of, a lot of things he does, he does just for the camera. You know, how he's possessed all the time and he can feel this. That A lot of it's really weird. It really is. Uh, but that's just my take. And maybe you got a different take. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, we're going to be looking at a bunch of different hoaxes that have happened over the years in a couple weeks here once I get the, the – I'm, I'm in the middle of writing it right now. So, once I get that done, I'll I'll fast-track that over the other ones. And it's, it's really interesting. So, uh, with that being said, uh, let's, let's look at uh, our question of the week for next week. Uh, recently in the news, there's been a lot of talk about AI, you know, artificial intelligence, as, you know, computers are becoming a lot more um, – a lot smarter – and we're starting to get, you know, we're, start, we're starting to be able to program computers that, um, you know, can think for themselves and can start doing, you know, artificial intelligence. You know, they're, they're able to think, and not, you know, you know, autonomously from from a human inputting things for them to think. Um, do you think that we have things of anything anything to fear? Do you think that we're gonna have to worry about like, like you know, like the movie? Uh, uh, the uh, Terminator happening, you know, where they decide, hey, you know what, these these humans are just a parasite. Let's get rid of them. You know, or do you think that you know we're going to be all right because you know they're going to install protocols that can't be over overwritten by the by the by the computers, you know, and you know, and they'll have a they'll have a limit to what they can do, like you know, you'll 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 kind of like you like you do not harm, you know, prerogative that are that's that's programmed into them or. You know, let me. You know, so you know, just let me. You know, let me know. No, no. You think you know? Is there something to fear, or is AI going to be? I mean, without a doubt, AI is going to take a lot of jobs away. It's there's, it's no doubt. It's going to happen. So you might as well embrace it. It's, there's going to be a lot of jobs that are going to be made obsolete because of AI. So yeah, you don't. That I already know. But do you think like society has to fear being eliminated? Because of AI, do you think we have something to fear, or do you think AI is going to be a companion and a tool going forward that's, that's going to be very helpful? Let me know what you think. You reach out to us by email, which is m o a m podcast twenty one at gmail .com. Once again, that's m o a m podcast twenty one at gmail .com. Um, You can call. Uh, our phone number and let a voicemail or text us. That phone number is in the description to this podcast. You can uh, you can go onto our Facebook fan page and let a message or uh, post on there. Post on uh, directly on, on the page itself. Once again, those those links are on there. Um, our link to YouTube is also on there. I think right now the only thing on there is our one or both of our live shows. But like I but like I said halfway through the show here, uh, we have another show next week and then we'll have a break. For a week, you know, so in three weeks, when we come back after the break, it'll be also available on YouTube. And from that point forward, 
every single show should be available on, on YouTube going going forward. So uh, I think that's gonna be cool to be able to you know you know you know basically you know be available on another platform for you guys. So you know you know if you want to see what's going on in the studio, you know especially when, when we start having you know more guests uh, on stuff. Um, if you have anything you want to reach out and share with us, talk to us, tell us about, uh, you know, if you have a story or, or you know of a story, reach out. I mean, you know, as long as it's true, I would love, you know, I would lo you know, I'd love to share your story. I can have you on the show either physically in the studio or, or we can do like a do like a Zoom kind of thing or whatever you guys want to do. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking for you know, for guests to have have on the show. I mean, you know, we had a couple. You know, we uh, yeah, we had the show you know, where we interviewed. Well, it was our, it was our, it was our Halloween special stuff where, you know, where we interviewed. Instead of an actual show, we talked we, we talk about ghost stories, but then you and me and Land talked talk a little bit about our life stories and stuff. Um, I've got some people that I, that I want to have on. Um, I'm right now currently working with someone who actually uh, physically investigates uh, Bigfoot. I'm trying to get him to come on the show. I'm talking with somebody who uh, specializes in the law of attraction trying to get them to come on. So, so I, I got some guests that I'm working on lining up now. So if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you have something, something to share with us by all means you reach up by, by one of these contact methods. I'd love to have you guys on. Um, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for tuning in this week and I'll check you guys out again next week until then stay safe. <laughs>